This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. Welcome to the show. Thank you to my guests for joining me here today. Dylan Vodka is the brand and marketing manager for DeLong Company, and Pat McQuillan will be joining us. He is the co-founder and president of Central Standard Craft Distillery in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Dylan, as we get started here today, the DeLong Company has a program called Grown Climate Smart. Can you explain what this program is exactly? So Grown Climate Smart is a subsidiary or a build-out initiative uh, from the DeLong company. It's a sustainable farming practices um, oriented, and then we're really working to prioritize and promote um, sustainable farming practices. Um, so to give a little bit of background, uh, the DeLong company is, um, you know, it's a sixth generation uh, family-owned business uh, out of Clinton, Wisconsin. Um, the company, company has 37 different locations. I'll say the bulk of those locations are in the Wisconsin, Illinois region. Um, it has six divisions within those, those locations, um, you know, being, um, agricultural and, and logistical sales, uh, grain exports, agronomy, seed, um, and, and wholesale feed. So the DeLong company itself is, is over a hundred years and well-versed in the agriculture and grain commodities market. Um, and we really saw, um, a need for sustainability. And from our corporate buyers and some other companies coming out here with these ESG and, um, you know, sustainable goals. Um, so they wrote a grant proposal to the Climate Smart Commodities Grant that was, um, uh, you know, built by the USDA. Uh, the $3.1 billion grant. Um, and the Dillon Company won $40, $40 million through five years to build out and promote sustainable farming practices. Um, so we're calling it such and we're calling it Grown Climate Smart. Um, and we're excited about all the opportunities and the sustainable grains and commodities that we can use through this program. Um, and we're excited about the, the partnerships that we can we can build out of it and um, uh, do a lot of positive things uh, out in the market. And sure, we'll be talking about a specific relationship with Pat here coming up. When so you already have the grant money, is that right? Yep, yep. So basically, in the past, I would say. Um, seven to eight months, uh, we've been really working hard and diligent to enroll growers into our program. Um, and basically, once we enroll growers, uh, we make sure that they're doing these sustainable practices. Uh, there's four practices that our program really prioritizes right now, um, being cover crops, reduced or no-till, uh, nutrient management plans, and uh, windbreaks. So um, in the past seven or eight months, we've been, like I said before, we've been working hard to getting growers, grow, or growers enrolled in our program. Um, we have a little over 260,000 acres throughout 11 different states in our program. Um, so once we get them through that enrollment process and what we call proof of practice where they show us that they, you know, they did that practice and, the, and they, um, they went through and, and did those cover crops or, you know, they did a reduced or a no-till, we send them an incentive payment, uh, a check here in December. So yeah, we've been, we've been working hard getting growers in there and, um, you know, really, really trying to see you know, how much we can scale this program, um, not only this year, but in the coming years too. How long is each grant or what is the duration of those grants? Yeah, so ours is five years. Um, there's a couple different, um, you know, different grants out there for different amounts of times, but ours is ours is five years. And, uh, you know, like I said before, we're going to try to continue scaling this up. And, and, you know, just because we're, you know, 
we were able to enroll a lot of growers and acres this year and, and almost fulfill it to 100% as far as, um, you know, being able to pay out over $7 million worth of incentive. We want to continue building upon it and not just, um, you know, keep it at this, but, but in coming years, keep, continue to grow it too. So. Dylan, when I do interviews on sustainability, cover crops comes up all the time, things like rye. So what are the cover crops? What are some of the sustainability strategies that your program promotes? Yeah, so kind of how we look at the cover crops is as long as it stays a cover crop, obviously, and it doesn't become into a harvest rule, right? That's kind of where it loses that, you know, being a cover crop and turns into a cash crop. Um, Really, what we follow is NRCS state guidelines of what constitutes a cover crop. Um, So as long as those cover crop species, uh, there's a whole bunch of them that are listed for each different state, kind of falls within there, and you're able to use that as a cover crop. So there's a whole bunch of different you know, species you can use. And, and obviously, you know, everyone's uh, farmland and soil is not the same. So we have growers out in, you know, New York doing different things and, and you know, than growers in, in Wisconsin. So I think the flexibility of it and being able to utilize different cover crop species, you know, that have different, you know, seeding rates and dates and termination types, you know, is, is one element which has made the, the program successful. Are you auditing those that are enrolled yearly? Yeah. So through our program, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of checks and balances through our program um, to make sure we're doing it the right way and, you know, reporting it the right way. An element of that is an auditing process that, you know, people that get enrolled in our program, there's a percent chance that a certain percentage, I should say, that they get audited. But at the same time, all of the information and data that we collect and, um, you know, ultimately enroll people into our program with, it gets reported back to the USDA. So there's various amounts of, of, you know, checks and balances here. So, you know, we're all on the same page and reporting the same data and, and you know, the, the same, you know, really interesting information that comes of it because it's, it's really eye-opening to see that a lot of growers are, you know, thinking about sustainability and, and implementing that on the farm. So, yeah, there's a whole, there's a, there's a lot of checks and balances that go along with it. As I mentioned, when we got started with the show here today, Pat McQuillan is joining us now. Pat McQuillan, once again, the co-founder and president of Central Standard Craft Distillery in Milwaukee. Pat, what is the tie-in then between the distillery and the Grown Climate Smart program? Yep, that's correct. And, uh, and it's actually the timing works out somewhat perfectly for us because so we've been uh, distilling for nine years, going on 10 years now, and we've always tried to get our grains from within, you know, 150 mile radius. We, we always try and be as close as possible. Some of the grains just aren't as easy to get, but we've been pretty successful in the fact that we have a lot of farming around us. Our issue has been getting repeatable and good grain. And so we were struggling with that a little bit. And when we uh, started working with DeLong and Dylan and the program came along that he discussed, it just was somewhat of a no-brainer to us because of the of the way that they practice and what we're trying to accomplish too. The farm to flask movement, as I've been told. Yeah, right. It, I think it started with grain to glass, and now it's farm to flask. So yeah. we're we're all in on it for sure. What grains do you procure then? What are you looking for for your spirits? Yep. So corn, rye, and barley are the the top three that we use. We use a little bit of wheat and some uh, some specialty uh, like a whiskey that we do, an oat whiskey. Something that's a little fun and, and different gives it a little more of a sweetness to it. Uh, but those are the three main ingredients that most any uh, any distillery is going to use. 
corn by far is the probably the biggest one that we use because we use it in um, our vodka, our gin, our bourbons, our, our whiskeys. Uh, we use quite a bit of rye in our whiskeys as well. And then the barley after that. So, About how many pounds do you, I'm getting bushels, pounds. I don't know what a distillery buys that in. Sure. About if you purchase on a yearly basis, would you say? Yeah. So it's interesting that number for us continues to grow, which is great. Um, but I would say we're going through, you know, about every time we do a mash, which we do one to two a week, depending on the scheduling, you know, we're doing about two to 5,000 pounds for mash. So we extrapolate that out. It, it gets, you know, pretty significant. Um, our, you know, as being an urban distillery, which was also important to us to try and um, keep jobs within the city of Milwaukee, uh, we're a little bit landlocked too. So we're trying to, it's the scheduling of that and, and the amount of room that we have and the amount of barrels that we have. But it's, we've seen a nice growth trajectory. We've also somewhat um, on purpose made it a little bit smaller as over the last few years, because I'll tell you what, Lori, about the worst business model you can do is start a distillery by putting a bunch of uh, liquid in a barrel and crossing your fingers and hoping it works because you don't know if it's any good for a while, right? So it's got to sit in a barrel and and we've just been, uh, as we've grown and know that we have a good product, we've been able to ramp up production too. So that's part of it. And, and having a partner like uh, Grown Climate Smart and DeLong has really now given us the confidence to go forward with that and really start pushing forward too. Pat, do you have to pay a premium for growers who are growing in a sustainable way then? You know, for, for us, we haven't seen much of a difference in that. I think it's, you know, the the program that we've seen here with DeLong, there hasn't been much of a premium to it, which is, which is great, right? Um, there's maybe a couple of cents, but it's not anything that's, um, that hurts us from that. We're also willing to pay a little bit more if we need to. One, from a you know, we want to be good partners and good stewards of what we're doing as we're giving back and and trying to do what we call a 360 degrees in all of this, too. So after we're done with the product, can we give some of the grains back to the farms that they can use for nutrients as well? So all of this is kind of symbiotic for us, and we're willing to pay a little bit more if necessary. But thankfully, I think everybody sees where this is going and trying to keep their pricing in line. And you're referring to distillers dry grains, right? Yeah, there's a variety of different ways it can be used, yeah. That's a great point that you brought up about the premium because that's definitely one goal of this program here, right, is that we don't want to just use this program for four or five years and then at the end of it, when we run out of incentives for growers for doing these sustainable farming practices, say, okay, you know, thanks for participating. It was a great five years and that's it. Part of the program here and the, the end goal is ultimately to develop and build a market that, you know, these grains will command a premium on. Part of that goal here is getting the grains, you know, into the end product, you know, that consumers can see in their everyday, you know, life, like like something that Pat has in his, you know, distillery and the craft house and everything. So this is a great opportunity for us to really get the ball rolling on it because, you know, as Pat said, and, and, and he's true on that, there hasn't really been, you know, a premium paid for it yet or, or realized yet by the consumer or the market. But that's definitely something that we want to, you know, get the ball rolling on and and, and build up here because. You know, in year six, year seven, year eight of the program, when we don't have incentives, we want to get that premium to be, you know, such where we can pass that premium down to the grower as well. 
because we're, we're incentivizing growers for doing the right farming practices and, and doing, you know, things that really enhance the soil and, and do a lot of things in that regard. So that's something that definitely that we're, we're, you know, trying to achieve here in the long run. Yeah. And that's a good point too, Dylan, because I know that USDA had a survey, a national survey here not too long ago, and there is discussion on will farmers keep the sustainable practices up without being incentivized? Hopefully that premium is where that kicks in then. I would just say, you know, in the grains that we've received, we can definitely tell that there's, you know, a little like a freshness to it. I mean, you can, there's some of the quality when you hold it and you smell it. And as it's coming off the still too, we've, again, been doing this long enough to notice the quality of what's in it that's coming out of it too. So we definitely recognize that. And we hope that as we can, maybe we're a small distillery, but hopefully, the more people see, you know, we have these little stickers that we're going to put on all the bottles and it'll be incorporated into our labels that'll say, you know, that's hopefully somewhat of an advertising for them to say, well, what is that? And what does that mean? And hopefully the quality's in the bottle too. And we're doing our part that they'll maybe see that that's a, a part of it too and seek that out. Pat, I thought I'd ask you too, because I I'm in Northeast Colorado. So craft distilleries, wineries, breweries are, are just popping here in Colorado and I interview a, a farmer here down the road that that's all he's gone to is growing grains for distilleries for a, actually a particular distillery along the front range. The part of the appeal for a consumer, and I'm I'm a big whiskey girl, part of the, the appeal is knowing that backstory. It came from a local farm, knowing the farmers that produced it. And that all goes into the purchasing. Are you seeing that there in Wisconsin as well? Yeah, for sure. I think the whole craft movement has been a part of a, a reason for that too. Um, people just in general in their products want to know where they're coming from and the closer they can feel to it, the better. You know, we've had this this discussion with Dylan and Aaron and their team of you know, the more that we can put a face to the, to the grain itself, it helps put in a different light when there's so much consumer noise and how do you rise above that? Too. So especially in whiskey, right? Whiskey and bourbon is a huge category and you walk into the store now and how do you notice the difference? So if there's any way to stand out and show that you're actually doing it the right way, I think the, you know, the consumer will gravitate toward that and they'll, they'll tell you with their pocketbook because they, they want to do that. Agreed. Yeah. Dylan, did you want to add anything into that? Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And that's part of you know, why, you know, the DeLong company made the decision to, you know, not just say, hey, we want to just do this program and get growers enrolled, right? They made the decision that, you know, they wanted to make an offshoot and a brand here that can kind of tell that consumer, hey, you know, when you see this this brand name and this logo on products in the in the market, you know, it was coming from sustainable farming practices and it's using sustainable ingredients and things like that. Um, so that's part of, of building that market in, in you know, telling a story with the brand and the logo and everything that goes along with it. Um, because consumers, you know, like Pat said, are, are getting more and more conscious of the products they're buying, especially when it's, it's such a, you know, a busy space with, you know, millions and millions of different, you know, brands and, and products you can buy in each, you know, industry. So that's a big thing that I, I definitely agree on. Pat, what other goals do you have for your distillery? Our distillery has been this, it's been very interesting. We started this, my business partner and I, 11 years ago when uh, we overserved ourselves one night and decided we should start making our own. And that grew from being 
you know, just a, a fun little hobby and trying to grow into something to a full-time job. And we've seen this kind of growth trajectory for us to continue growing throughout the Midwest and hopefully telling our story in a way that um, helps people to understand craft spirits. You know, it's not it's not about us. It's about the collective we, I think, in some respects, too, where there's enough room on the shelf. Look, Jim Beam and Maker's Mark and those guys, they've been doing it a really long time and they're really good at it. Right. So giving people an outlet to see something smaller and see how that's crafted as well. We hopefully can be a mouthpiece for that and show what we do. And if they don't like us, at least at least they've given us a try and, and maybe give somebody else a try, too. Um, but I think that's what we're trying to do is we want to be innovative all the time, too. And, and sometimes it doesn't have to be a groundbreaking, uh, world changing thing. But doing something like this with Grown Climate Smart is innovative, right? I mean, it's almost going backwards to be innovative at the same time. So we hope that we're taking on those practices um, to grow our company and help for the greater good there. Dylan, anything else to add here today that I didn't ask you about? I think Pat made a good point there that, you know, there's a lot of players in the space. And I think a big thing for us is that, you know, we realize that whether it be brands and commodities that, you know, we deal with. Or if there's other projects out there that do livestock or forestry or fruits and vegetables, I think this partnership and collaboration, you know, really builds on, you know, like when I said, the collaboration part of it and, and getting it into products and, you know, in the market. And a big thing for us is figuring out how we can all come together and unify the market instead of necessarily competing against each other. Because, you know, like Pat said, there's plenty of ways for all of us to succeed in this space. So I think that's. So I got to add from that. Well, thank you so much, Dylan. Again, I want to thank my guests for joining me here on the show today. This has been a great interview. Dylan Vaca, he is a brand and marketing manager for DeLong Company, and they are the company that hosts the Grown Climate Smart program that we've been talking about. Also, a big thank you to Pat McQuillan. He is the co-founder and president of Central Standard Craft Distillery in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.